We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations of the Coast Salish peoples. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. It was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we are grateful to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience and strength in the face of ongoing dispossession, colonial violence and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and speak up about oppression while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better. We can do better. Freshies, welcome to Permastoke. I am your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. Take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoke individuals related to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join me in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Kids, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate what makes both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture so special. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our signature tee that features rad monoline illustrations of surfers shredding it up on each of the Great Lakes. Visit freshwatersurfbids.com for yours today. And be sure to check out our stand-up paddleboard school. With future plans to relocate to Southern Ontario, we currently offer basic and advanced courses private lessons, tours, custom experiences, and sup yoga in the waterways of beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Connect with Mother Ocean, have fun, enjoy good company, and the West Coast sights and wildlife as you take your skills from okay to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to merge with their higher self so they may spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful technologies such as kundalini yoga and the Hawaiian art of ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. 
Enjoy community, connection, and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. This episode was recorded on May 27, 2020 and is family-friendly. In this episode, I interview Great Lakes and Hawaiian surfer and author of four books, Pastor Waikiki Jack Nordgren. Jack was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. At the ripe young age of 15, he absolutely fell head over heels in love with surfing. His friends asked him to try out their boards while on a summer vacation in Michigan. He then became, as he terms it, a surfaholic. He ate, breathed, and lived surfing. After high school, to avoid the draft, he joined the Navy. There, he spent almost two years aboard a nuclear submarine. During that time, he married his high school sweetheart, but also began to experiment with drugs. Through a series of heart-wrenching events, he came to the end of his proverbial rope. He then began reading the Bible. God revealed himself to Jack, and he asked Jesus to take over his whole life. He soon led Jack and his family to a ministry in Waikiki Beach. In 1984, a small Bible study of ex-drug dealers and users under Jack's leadership became Hope Chapel South Shore. After 22 years of pastoring and surfing in Waikiki Beach, he and his wife moved to Michigan to continue ministering and surfing. Jack has since retired and returned to Waikiki to surf and spend time with his 11 grandchildren. Throughout this interview, as I watched Jack sitting in his ball cap, his arms cut off his shirt, tattoos on his biceps, and surfboards and palm trees behind him, at times it looked to me like I was interviewing Jimmy Buffett. Although, I don't think Jack has been to Margaritaville anytime lately. So listen in as Jack shares his humble 1960s surf beginnings on Lake Michigan. His time in the Navy, surrendering to God and ministering in Hawaii, surfing, faith, and he even offers up some valuable marriage advice. So pay close attention. Hi Jack, how are you? Aloha, doing good Derek. Right on. Aloha. Mahalo for being here. No problem. Yeah. So started this brand new podcast called Permastoked and you're one of the players that keeps coming up on the Great Lakes for me. And I recently read your book, so I thought maybe we could connect. Great. Which book did you read? Um, actually, I read three of them. I've read both. Okay. I've read both um, Wave Chasers, which are a lot smaller when you receive them than you think they are when you order them online. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Lake Surfer's Journey. Okay. Yeah, so at the end of Lake Surfer's Journey, I think it was like 2007, um, it says that you had landed back in Michigan, but it looks to me with the palm trees that you're sitting in Hawaii. Yeah, we moved back to Hawaii um, last June, oh, June 2019. Wow. And uh, we uh, we were in Michigan to take care of my mom because my dad passed away. And uh, then she passed away and we got nine grandchildren on Oahu. So we, we moved back to be by the grandchildren children oh i see so what did the last if you were to to update your book what would the last 13 years sort of look like back there oh and well michigan yeah i started a couple beach stands you know surfed on the lake whenever i could i would come to hawaii and visit uh visit the grandkids every year me and the wife would come for about a month and then uh then back to michigan you know um six five four wetsuit in the wintertime boots gloves yeah, felt like you were the uh, Ghostbusters marshmallow man, you know, just like, 
like yeah, that. That's true. So now I can surf about it. I surf almost every day, get up early, go get to waves for an hour and then come home. That's amazing. What island are you on? I'm on Oahu. Oh, um, perfect. I'm at Eva Beach and uh, we're at the, uh, we're not too far from the Waianae coast, still on this edge. And it's, it's amazingly, um, there's always waves. It's, a, it's yeah. crazy. It's just, there's waves every day. And I got my, uh, my 10-0 and my 11-0. I don't know if you can see them. Oh, I can see them. Wow, nice. And so, but I, I'm mostly with, sticking with my 10-0 right now. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's interesting because I'm getting older. I'm, I'm losing some of my, uh, uh, my reflexes. So it's like, <laughs> it's more of a challenge, but you know, the, just getting out in the water, it just kind of mellows you out. Yeah. When I, when I've been surfing for a while, my wife says, uh, you, you, you get, you need to get the, some water behind your gills. Cause, uh, I don't know. I, I just, yeah. just get up tight. You know, at least I do. I don't know about you guys. But. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a great order to have. Yeah. Go surfing. Perfect. I'm done. Perfect. So are you uh, always a longboard guy? Oh, no. I, uh, when I started out, I, I longboard. I went all the way down to a 6'4 twin fin. Uh, Rick Irons made it for me, Andy Irons' uncle. Oh, wow. And uh, that was the shortest I ever got. And then it just kind of grew longer from there till I got up to 11.0. Yeah. And wow. uh, I, I used to surf Waikiki, and the guys in 11.0s would catch all the waves for me. So I thought, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, so I right. got 11.0, and I was... I, I wasn't part of the crowd. I was the crowd. But, wow. Amazing. Uh, uh, but now I'm down to a 10-2 uh, NSP board. And the thing of it is where I'm at, the uh, the crowd is uh, pretty mellow mm-hmm. and uh, it's spread out. And you can usually find a peak all to yourself. So the, the wow. 10-0 is working really good for me. That's Matter of fact, I'm probably going to sell the 11-0 because I'm, I'm running out of room in my backyard and stuff. Oh. <laughs> so is that closer to the North Shore then? This ever be? No, we're at, we're on the we're on the south shore, still on the south shore, right before it turns for the west shore. Okay. And uh, so North Shore is about forty five minutes from here. Okay, so but closer to Waikiki then. Uh, we're we're about thirty minutes from Waikiki. Yeah. Uh, but I don't surf the North Shore anymore. I used to back in no. the day, but uh, I I don't travel far to surf. It's like the beach is four miles away from me, so it's like that's as far as I go. That's incredible, and you don't have to watch for storms. You just have consistent waves. Right, yeah. On the lake, of course, you you look at the buoys, you look at the uh, beach cams, uh, you look at the forecasts. Of course, I lived uh, I lived in a little town called Bridgman, and I was 1.6 miles from the beach, so I mostly just drive down there every day and look at out look at it. Mm. But you know, we had some really good days. Yeah. Uh, super clean. Uh, of course, hardly anybody was surfing there. Yeah. The cr- most crowded it got for me is if I would go to St. Joe, which is about 20 minutes north of where I was at. And and then I knew I knew just about everybody. So it was it was pretty mellow. And, and even then you could spread out and you could find your own peak and stuff. So but uh, my home break is still St. Joe, Michigan, a place called Ursula's. I uh, rented a room from this German lady in 1967 for the summer. And my buddies that would come over and surf, we we didn't say, hey, what are we going to call this break? It just happened. We just called it Ursula's. Not with a U, with the E. And it, it's still, it's, I think it's still called Ursula's. And then uh, uh, to the north of it, you have Silver Beach. And then to the south of it, you have Second Street. But Ursula's still still breaks every, still breaks fairly consistently when there's waves. That's my home break, Ursula's. Nice. Home break and second home break anywhere on Hawaii. Well, now my home break is uh well, they closed the beaches down here. 
for, oh. for the coronavirus thing. And um, and the other, there was a beach we can get to called Nimitz Beach. But the beach we used to go to called White Plains, they closed the parking lot. And they would ticket you and cops would whatever. But then Nimitz Beach, if you went there and parked on the street, it was just mostly street parking, they were ticketing people. But now they're not ticketing people anymore. So um, it's, it's, it's really mellow. I mean, the days that we had on Lake Michigan where it was super clean, mm-hmm. um, it's like that almost every day here in the mo- early, I go early morning, yeah, like six, seven o'clock. But uh, those days we had, I, I would guess maybe we'd have anywhere from 10 to 20 really clean days on the lake in a year. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we would just be overjoyed. Yeah. Now it's like this every day. And I'm like, oh Lord, I'm super blessed. I just got to, you know, enjoy it while I can. Yeah. So, and the other thing I've noticed with the guys in Michigan is, is really you guys are surrounded by, by lakes. So you sort of, whatever way the wind's blowing that day, you, you sort of have options. Well, I never, I just stayed close to home for the most uh, part. The farthest the farthest I traveled north was about an hour and a half and then south maybe an hour into Chicago. But as as it got as I got older and older, it's like I just didn't want to travel. I was too lazy. I just if it's not breaking within twenty minutes of my house, I'm not going. Oh, okay. But um, but some of these guys I remember one time we were surfing uh, Ursula's and my buddy had just come. The guy that taught me how to surf, he had moved away to Iowa and he drove to come surfing with me. <clears throat> so he drove five hours. This other guy had driven from uh, Rock and Roll Bob, we used to call him. That was his nickname. He had just traveled from Cleveland, Ohio. So he had traveled another four or five hours. And then there was another guy there. I forgot where he was from. But between me and these guys that I was meeting with, there was like, just to get where we're going to surf, there's like 12 hours of travel time. Wow. But, you know, that's how dedicated the lake surfers are. You know, it's yeah. like, you, you got, that's why I named the book Wave Chasers, because we would wait and wait, and then, then we'd go chase the waves down. And, you know, sometimes you get skunked, and some, sometimes you'd, you'd hit the jackpot. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the common themes whenever I talk to lake surfers. It's sort of... Th- there's no sort of picking and choosing. It's like, if there's waves, I'm there. It's not like if you were on the ocean and it was consistent, ah, it's not as good as I'd want it to be. I'm not going to go today. Yeah. And you know, when I, when we go surfing here, one of the big differences I found is I'm not as in big of a, that much of a big hurry to get down to the water and get in, get out in the waves because it's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes on the lake you get there and you'd have waves for an hour and then it'd be gone. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, if you try to talk to me when I was getting ready to go surfing, you know, that that conversation would be short because I wanted <laughs> to get out. After it was over, I'd talk to you. But before, yeah. it's like I, I needed to get out in the water because I didn't know how long it was going to last. Right on. Well, yeah. So I grew up, I, I heard you kind of asking me which lake I'm on. So I'm currently living in Vancouver been here for 12 years so I go to Tofino quite a bit in uh, on Vancouver Island but I grew up in a town called Leamington Ontario it's the most southern point in Canada so we had a break there so I started surfing when I was about yeah 18 or 19 but I was sort of just all on my own figuring it out sort of by myself and uh, every once in a while there'd be a van full of guys from Michigan that would come over and I met quite a few people that way and now was that Lake Ontario? No, this is Lake Erie. Oh, Lake Erie. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I grew up on Lake Erie. So then in 2008, uh, my wife and I moved out here to Vancouver, but now we're in that phase where we're trying to start a family and, and our family, you know, my, my father just passed away and, and family seems to need us more and more back home. So we're, we got our sights on the Great Lakes area and just kind of 
seeing where we get where we get led to. But the, the research is on and I'm currently laid off from COVID, which is great because it's actually giving me quite a bit of time to look into that and uh, yeah, hopefully figure something out. I'm thinking so when for, you say well, you're, sorry, you're, you're on you're, Vancouver, you're near the ocean, right? I'm near the ocean, except we have this giant island in the way. Oh, I see. Okay. Vancouver Island. So in order to go surfing, I should have looked at a map a little better 12 years ago when I moved here. I thought I'd be surfing more often. I'd probably be surfing more often if I was back on the lakes, to be honest, because it's an hour and a half ferry ride, you know, and that's, you know, a hundred bucks each way. And then you're looking at three and a half hour drive from one side of the island to the town of Tofino where all the waves are. So, and then, you know, there's hotels oh. and everything like that. So it's not quite as convenient but every summer we take a good couple weeks and just camp there and live it up it's literally one of my favorite places on earth probably second to um, going to Hawaii that one time Tofino comes in really close because it's all like Canadian forest just trees everywhere wildlife the the rugged ocean it's really just a great place are there a lot of big rocks out in the water there um there are some, but nothing that people are running into. Nothing like okay. that. You can definitely see them. Uh, sharks aren't really a problem up this far. Uh, last time I was out there, I saw some porpoises. Um, you know, some people see orca whales. But yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty clean break there and, and pretty good conditions. On Lake Erie, are there any surf shops? Do you know of any surf shops in the area? There was there was approximately 15 surf shops when I wrote that book. Okay. And I know, I, I've heard of more, um, like uh, Jake, I think Bessett in uh, Milwaukee, Lake Effect Surf Shop. Yeah. So I know there's more, but I, I don't know how many more. I was like, when I wrote that book, or put, actually, I shouldn't say I wrote, I put it together because people sent me all these pictures and stories and I just compiled them. Um, but I, I was like, totally shocked how many surf shops there were on the Great Lakes. There was like 15. I, I would guess now there's probably a couple of dozen. And that's just a, that's just a wild guess. And as far as like just a, a guesstimate for how many people surf on the Great Lakes, mm-hmm. I'd actually would, I would actually guess between five and 10,000. And that includes really? boarding, surfboarding, stand-up paddle boarding, um, you know, uh, kite surfing and everything else. But uh, it, it, it was way bigger. And, and that, that might actually be a low estimate because it's going to take a lot of people to support, you know, a couple of dozen surf shops. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I, know I was amazed. The uh, Surf in the Great Lakes book, when he wrote that, I think that was the early 2000s or late 90s. I can't quite remember. But the number he had in there was only 500 long, long time ago, right? Like probably 20 years ago or so. Well, when I started, we thought we were the only in uh, Sawyer, Michigan. There was maybe eight, 10 of us. And we thought we were the only ones that surfed on the Great Lakes. We didn't. We had no idea there was anybody else. And it was a couple of years later when I actually needed a skeg fell off my board. I needed a skeg that I found out there was a surf shop in Grand Haven, mm-hmm. which is an hour and a half north of where we were in southwest Michigan. So we drove up there and unbelievable how many there was like 20 guys out in the water surfing. They, there was a surf shop. They had some kind of a, a surf rock band play that that night. And uh, we thought we had died and gone to heaven. Yeah. And then for all those years, we thought, okay, there's us and there's those guys in Grand Haven, you know, Doc and uh, Will Beaton. Those are two mm. of the most famous guys from there. Yeah. Well, then years later, we found out there's all these crazy guys over in Sheboygan, mm-hmm. Lee and Larry Williams and all those guys. And then, of course, the Chicago guys, they had been kind of growing and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of those guys. But uh, it's it's 
it's actually been very interesting to see how the sport has grown mm-hmm. and to meet people. And, and there's been such a nice uh, camaraderie between uh, lake surfers, but it, it's that's starting to change a little bit. Mm. Uh, we'll, we used to get guys come to our break from up north of us, and they would come down with this attitude like they own the place. And I uh yeah, it, it didn't really make me very happy. Yeah. I thought, you know, I just thought, hey, guys, we're, we're so unique. Let's just all be friends. But some of them, you know, you'd say hi to them. They wouldn't even look at you. And I'm like, oh, man. That's too bad, yeah. I know it's such a small tribe in a way. It doesn't make sense not to be friends. And that's yeah. what I like about it. I like hearing these parallel stories, like to hear about you starting surfing in the 60s and then to know that, you know, me around a similar age in the late 90s, you know, had a very similar experience, like finding surfing on my own amidst the, you know, living in the countryside sort of a sort of a lifestyle. And uh, it's really just wild to see people living this sort of Southern SoCal, Southern California lifestyle, but on the lakes, it's, it's incredible. And you mentioned uh, Lee and Larry Williams. I'm currently reading their book as well now. Have you read this? Okay. Some Like It Cold? No, I haven't read it yet. I actually but I actually met those guys. I went to the last um, uh, Dairyland Classic, and it was a real fluky too. Um, I had I was checking out the waves one day, and uh, this guy pulled up and looked at him, and uh, got to talk. And it turns out to be Doc Doc Beaton's brother, Will Beaton. Okay. So we went down to this break uh, down in Gary. He didn't know where it was, and so I took him there. And the waves are really good. We had a great time. So um, we, we kind of became friends. And then a little while later, he said, hey, you want to go to the Dairyland Classic? And I said, man, I've never been to that. <laughs> he goes, yeah, we can take the Ludington Ferry across, drive down. And then when we're done, we'll just drive around the lake, you know, through Chicago because it'll be, mm-hmm. it'll, you know, on Sunday, we'll come back on Sunday. So I said, OK, sounds great. So we did that. We took our boards. We surfed Frankfurt. Then we took the ferry across. And of course, the day after we left, there was waves in Sheboygan. Oh, wow. <laughs> And I want to tell you that that uh, the elbow there in Sheboygan, mm. I, I've never surfed it, but I've seen pictures. That is one of the nicest longboard waves. And really? and the ride is like got to be a couple hundred yards long wow. when it's really working. Um, yeah. So anyway, but uh, so we made it to the last Dairyland Classic and they did that for many, many years. Yeah. All the lake surfers would all get together and uh, I, I would meet guys from the other lakes there and uh, uh one, one guy, Will Wall, he's in my books, and uh, Burton Hathaway, I met those guys. Mm. They're both from California. They're kind of like, they're so stoked about surfing, they keep everybody else stoked. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I met a lot of interesting characters there. And uh, Kenny Ashburn was there one year. Kenny's from Lake Erie. Um, did you ever hear of a Wildwood Surf Club? I've heard of Wildwood Surf Club. I've seen the logo, but I don't know much about it. One of the main guys was Magilla, and Magilla and Kenny were good friends. And then Kenny moved to Hawaii. And it actually turns out he lived right next door to my office in Waikiki. Oh, wow. So we surfed together a little bit. We hooked up with uh, Jim Hoop when he came. And uh, Kenny's still here, but he lives on the other side of the island for me. So I hardly ever see him. When you live on an island, the other side of the island is like, you know, it's like going from Florida to New York. You just, <laughs> it's so far away, even wow. though it's only like a 40 minute drive. Yeah, really? But yeah. So, so I got to meet a lot of those guys. And, you know, I've only surfed on one of the Great Lakes, and that's Lake Michigan. I've never been on surfed any of the Great Lakes. And it's on my bucket really? list to surf on all of them, but I yeah. never have. I guess because you have these books with people from all of them, it gives this sort of illusion that you've you've been to all of them. So how did you get the how did you get all the people and their stories and photos for those books? Facebook. Oh, okay. I so- hooked up with them on Facebook. 
I just started friending people, asking questions, looking at pictures, asking for permission. And I got to tell you, 90, 99% of the people that I asked for permission to use their pictures said yes. And we did we did for a time, now the sales have slowed way down. We did for a time donate to um, Great Lake Surf Rescue Project and, and some other, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, nonprofits and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, but everybody just, so many people just willingly, you know, let me use their pictures. And it was it was never meant to be a big money maker. I mean, I make mm-hmm. a few bucks here and there, but uh, that was the, the, the reason for that book, Wave Chasers and the Wave Chasers 2, is so that when somebody came into one of the Great Lake Surf Shop and they say, you can't surf on Lake Michigan, the, the clerk or the owner could say, look at this. Yeah. So it, that was the main reason. And, and they still do that. Uh, Ryan Gerard surf shop there, a third coast surf shop in New Buffalo and uh, St. Joe. That's one of the things I'll use is, is my book. Uh, now we have some magazines. I get, are you up on how many lake uh, surf magazines are out now? Uh, the only one that I subscribe to is the Great Lakes Surfers Journal that Brian okay. Tannis runs. I'm not sure of any others. I've only seen one other one, Great Lakes Magazine or Surf Magazine or something, but I only found it online. I, I never saw okay. a physical copy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely growing. I'm stoked. I really want to get back to the area and, and frequent these places you're talking about. And I'm starting my own brand here, uh, Freshwater Surf Goods. So I'm hoping to open oh. up some kind of surf shop or something when I get back to the area. I currently teach stand-up paddleboarding out here in Vancouver and uh, I'm qualified to teach uh, stand-up paddleboard surfing as well. So yeah, really eager to get back down there and um, really just throw myself into that community. Um, when I was there before, it was very quiet. Like I was just sort of a young man at the time and wasn't very connected. That was pre-internet. So things have really changed now, the ability to connect and um, yeah, a lot of the guys in your books here, Larry Cavero, and uh, yeah, all kinds of dudes. I'm just really excited to meet them in person, actually. And so the the Dairyland Classic isn't happening anymore, but Ryan does a luau of some kind, does he not? Yeah, usually in September they'll have a luau. You can buy used. Uh, you can bring. You can sell surf gear, stand up paddle boards, boogie boards, um, uh, and and then there's get all the. Uh, uh, surfers from all over. It's not as, it, it's not, there's not as many people from all over as uh, the Dairyland had, but it's, it's getting better because right now that's the only thing um, that's going on consistently. There was something in, uh, was it Frankfurt last year? I didn't, I was going to go, but I didn't get to it because uh, I was running my beach stands. Um, maybe it was two years ago. I was running, I, I had a beach stand at Waco Beach and Bridgman and Warren Dunes and Sawyer. Uh, so that, that kind of tied up my summer. Mm-hmm. But um, that you know was what one year of the, the last Dairyland was? Oh, uh, I was there, but I couldn't tell you what year yeah. it was. Oh, okay. That's it was, it was, it was so fluky because we'll just said, hey, let's do this. And I, I said, okay, let me ask my wife. And she said, go. And it was the last one. So I was like, wow, I'm so glad that I, I, I got to one of them anyway. Yeah, right on. Good call. I wonder... Um, 2001 a friend of mine we were going to go over to the u.s and we were going to go to something it's been so long i can't remember quite what it was but then september the 11th happened and then we weren't weren't going across the border anytime soon after that so i can't recall what that would have been but if you're saying the dairyland classics in september that could have been it oh but it's on labor day weekend though i think right i read yeah so maybe it was something else so i'm really curious especially about your 
you know, the younger days, kind of going back to that, you were saying, um, how did that, where did that drive to go surfing come from for a guy growing up in Chicago? Well, um, my grandma had a cottage in Sawyer, Michigan, a place called Bethany Beach. And uh, there was five sisters. So each one of the sisters would get two weeks during the summer. So every summer from the time I was born, I was spending two weeks up in Bethany Beach. And when I was a teenager, I was 15, I uh, walking down to the beach and I saw, you come down these stairs, there's like 9,900 stairs to come down. And you can you start to see the whole beach as the trees start to clear. And there was these two two guys out on the sandbar with surfboards. And I'd never seen surfboards there before. This is 1965. And uh, so they were friends of mine. So I paddled out there, Ron and Ted Harling. And um, I said, hey, can I try? And he said, sure. So he let me try. And that was it. I, I yeah. was hooked. It was like, okay, I'm standing on top of the water. I should be sinking, but I'm not. I'm moving across. And I think I caught the first or second wave all the way to shore. And and that was it. I just fell in love with surfing and, and been surfing ever since. Um, I had an interesting thing happen to me. If you read uh, Lake Surfer's Journey, uh, I be I got out of the Navy and I uh, I had been in drugs and, you know, woke up one morning and my wife said, get up, we're going to church. And I said, you go to hell. <laughs> and she said, get up. That's no, true. Sorry. She said, <laughs> the opposite of where you want to go. <laughs> she said, uh, you get up, we're going to church or I'm getting a lawyer. Wow. And I had gotten so drunk, I had a blackout. So I went to church and, it, and uh, you know, the Lord came. I asked the Lord in my life and I gave him my surfboard and um, actually gave up surfing for for a little, little, little while. But I, I found out that it's OK if I surf as long as I, I have priorities straight, mm. you know, God, family and then work, surfing, ministry, whatever. <laughs> But, you know, my, my, my priorities used to be surfing, you know, family, work, you know, everything. Surfing was a priority. And I learned that when I switched my priorities around and I put God first, I actually enjoyed surfing more mm -hmm. because I was having fellowship with the creator of the entire world, the person that created surfing. The, you know, Jesus walked on the, walked on the waves. Mm -hmm. You know, I often see guys stand up paddleboard and I go, wow, that's what Jesus must have looked like when he was coming out to the disciples on the boat. Yeah, really. <laughs> he, he didn't have a stand up. He was just walking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, that, that really changed surfing for me. And here I am in Chicago, uh, found a couple of spots to surf other than Michigan when I got out of the Navy in, uh, oh, it was 1970. And there's a real famous popular spot now called Shooters in Whiting, Indiana. I used to surf that place all by myself. Now there's mm. tons of guys out there. But uh, so, but after that, you know, God called me in the ministry. And of all places, he called me to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, wow, God. So we were here for 27 years, pretty much. And then we went back for mm, about seven, eight years. And uh, now we're back again. Wow. But I, I, look at my, I look at my life and I go, how, how much better it was with God in my life. I Hawaii was a dream. Hawaii is such a dream. Mm -hmm. There's so many people. It's like it's it's beyond what they can even dream of. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like all of a sudden I'm in Hawaii. I'm involved in ministry. And then after a while, we started a church and surfing was a big part of the ministry. Mm. Uh, we would pray for people. We'd be sitting out in the water and talking with people. And somebody says, hey, yeah, this happened or that happened. I said, well, can we pray? We'd be sitting there in the lineup and we'd pray for them. Oh, wow. You have to keep somebody, keep their eyes open, though, in case a set comes in. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to get in trouble, but um, yeah, so it's, it's just, it's just been really interesting and in how, how God has uh, blessed me. We have a 11 grandchildren now. Is that right? I think it's 11, maybe 12. I don't know. <laughs> Last time you checked. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, it, you know, and I, I surf with my grand, my sons, I surf with my grandkids and uh, 
I'm just, I'm just really blessed. Wow. But it, it all comes back to the time when I realized that I had to make God a priority in my life. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'll get up and read my Bible and pray before I go surf. And you know how always, sometimes it's like, oh, the conditions are perfect. I got no, I got to I got to do this first before I go. So if you ever get to Hawaii, I'll take you surfing and I want you to come to church with me. Count me in. It sounds like uh, you'd be you'd have pretty quick access to water baptisms anyways. Well, actually, we uh, <laughs> our church, my son's actually the the senior pastor at this church, big church called New Hope Leeward, they actually uh, used to go to the, the North Shore, but they changed it. They do the, they get these big pools outside the church and they do it right after church. Okay. It's such a big church that going to the North Shore, just is, uh, is it's kind of difficult. So it yeah. works out much better the way they do it. But when I was a pastor in Waikiki, we would walk half a block down to the ocean. We'd do the baptisms right there in the ocean. Oh, wow. And if you if you were trying to keep your your Christianity a secret, well, good luck with that because there'd be about ten thousand people that could see you because there's all these high rises all up and down Waikiki mm. and all these people on the beach. You get baptized, a ton of people saw you get baptized. It was very yeah. very public. Awesome. Yeah, I was thinking maybe you'd take people and baptize them in Jaws. What's that? <laughs> I said I thought maybe you'd take people up and baptize them in Jaws, the big waves. Oh no no. <laughs> No, 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 no. We, uh, we, we would actually be inside a breakwater when we would do the baptisms. But I've done some on Lake Michigan because uh, I, when I pastored in Lake Michigan, in uh, in Michigan, our our church met right on the beach. So mm. there was times when uh, the baptized people, we would just, you know, they'd go like this and we'd hold on to them. We see a big wave coming, we just put them down. We let the wave go over them, and then oh. they were baptized. <laughs> oh, I was curious about your wave chasers, though. Are you ever going to do a volume three? I doubt it. Oh. I just I, I, I just published a book called uh, Life Lessons in Proverbs. Mm. And uh, my dad used to tell me to read a psalm a day to get along with God, a proverb a day to get along with man. So that's that's one of the first things I do in my in the morning. Um, so I, I've, I've got life lessons in Proverbs. I, I'm thinking of doing life lessons in Psalms mm. and and to complete all the, the books. But uh, yeah. I think I'm pretty much done with uh, doing any more surf books. Awesome. But I got to tell you, every once in a while, I'll see a picture on Facebook and I go, oh, man, I should I should publish another book. Is this picture is so, so crazy good. And, you know, one of the things that I learned in publishing the book is all five of the Great Lakes have the potential for really, really, really good waves. Mm. I mean, head high, clean, you know, just really good waves. But um, and I, I really didn't know that till I till I published those books, got those pictures. And every every Great Lake has a potential, and I'm sure they they each get them every year. But of course, the uh, the uh, the Holy Grail for a lake surfer's got to be a Lake Superior Stony Point. I'm mm. sure you've seen pictures from yeah, that. Mm, definitely the one and a half overhead two double overhead waves, just super clean. But the water is so cold, dude. Yeah. Wow. Enough to take down the Edmund Fitzgerald. I think there'd be some good surf up there. Yeah, actually, the the, the day the Edmund Fitzgerald went down, uh, one of the Doc Beaton and a couple of his friends did a rescue in Grand Haven. Oh, really? Several rescues. Um, I think those waves are like 15 to 20 feet that when that wow. happened. Wow, amazing. Yeah, Eric Wilkie is one of the guys I'm supposed to talk to. I think he's based up somewhere up there on Lake Superior. Yeah, he was, uh, he was from... California, and uh, he's a regular at Stony Point. Mm -hmm. um, really good longboarder. Yeah. Very smooth. Going back to when you said that you gave God your surfboard, um, what did that look like when you felt like you had the green light to integrate surfing back into your life? How did you know, okay, I can balance all this properly now? Well, 
I gave my surfboard to the Lord and I just, uh, I, I, I put it away, you know, I put it up in the rafters in the garage and I said, I'm never surfing again. Uh, interesting. I was actually at a teaching uh, Sunday school class and I had this uh, guest teacher come, Mrs. Elkins, elderly black lady, just loved the Lord. She, uh, she would go into the jail and the prisons and preach the gospel. She was quite a lady. And the whole time she was teaching, I just like, I, I could hardly hear what she was saying because I just felt the Lord was speaking to me, like, give me your mm-hmm. surfboard. So when the class was over, I said to my wife and Mrs. Elkins, I said, I need you to stay. And they stayed. And I said, this is going to sound crazy, but I need to do something. And they said, what? I said, I need to give Jesus my surfboard. And so I, I prayed. And as I did that, I started crying, sobbing. My whole body was convulsing. But once I got done praying, I felt like a big weight had been taken off of me. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm never going to surf again. And then, uh, oh, maybe it was a month later, there was like the perfect wind conditions for uh, whiting, where mm-hmm. they call shooters. And I just says, oh, Lord, what are you doing for me? This is too tempting. And Torture. I, I says, Lord, if you want me to go, you wake me at six o'clock in the morning. Mm. I woke up, I looked at the clock and the, the minute hand was exactly on six. Wow. And I thought, okay, Lord. And then I just kind of, you know, as I kept seeking the Lord and growing, I realized that I could surf, but I needed to keep things, you know, uh, in order. I needed to have God first, keep my priorities. And it, I really, when I say I really enjoy surfing more that way, it's mm-hmm. really true because if surfing is the only thing in your life and you go out and you have a bad session, you're, you're just out of sorts. You're, you're mm-hmm. a mess. Yeah. I mean, I still don't like having a bad session. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. But if, if surfing's your God and you have a bad wipeout or whatever, or you can't surf for a while, you know, your whole world comes to an end. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, made a, it's made a big difference. And then, like I said, my, my, uh, my big plan years ago was to, I was actually going to leave my wife, was to go to... Um, Does she know that or should I be deleting that? <laughs> Oh, no, it's in the book, too. <laughs> okay. It's in the book. Anyway, she knows it. Uh, I was going to leave her. I packed up my van and my board, and mm. I had $100 cash. Uh, I was going to go to Rhode Island and work at McDonald's and surf the rest of my life. Wow. And uh, I just stopped to pray and talk to God, and I said, uh, God, you know I'm leaving her because she's this, 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 and this. And I, I laid out my, my argument like a, a you know a well-trained lawyer. And I, I just felt God speak to me and say, go back and give it one more try. I said, no, God, you don't understand because, you know, she's this, 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 and this. And God just kept saying, go back and give one more try. Mm. And so I did. And, um, and then I look back and I go, wow, my plan was to live in a live at the campgrounds, work at McDonald's, surf all the time in Rhode Island, which is, they got some good surf, but it gets mm. cold there. Yeah. Instead, God says, no, I got a better plan. I'm going to send you to Hawaii, be a pastor. So that, there you go. Wow. That's incredible. And she was with, she was uh, game every step of the way? No, she, uh, uh, she actually wasn't a Christian after I, I went full on, you know, just all in. And uh, she wanted me to become a Christian, so I'd be nice. She wanted me to become radical. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, we went to this thing called the Bill Gothard Seminar, and she prayed to receive the Lord. And, uh, and we were just, it was, I was just so happy. And then I told her, I says, oh, by the way, God called us to Hawaii. And woman of faith that she is, she said, have a good time. <laughs> But it took it took a year for God to change your heart. Mm. And so 19, August 28th, 1978, we boarded United Flight Number 1 from Chicago to Honolulu with our two boys, two and four years old. And uh, we went in, and we went into the ministry. And from there, we Waikiki Beach Chaplaincy. And from there, we planted a church there. And it seemed but, like you um, were coming up against some roadblocks along the way, if I remember correctly, especially um, financially and whatnot, correct? 
oh my gosh, you kidding? <laughs> you live in Chicago and you tell people God's called you to be a missionary to Hawaii and you're raising support, they'll laugh right in your face. Oh, but wow. God wanted us to go and, and somehow the, the money was there. Uh, I was working in the hardware store with my dad and uh, I was, his, I was a, his partner, his junior partner. I was going to take over the store. It was a very good store, very lucrative store. And uh, we owned our own house. We had a camper van and we left it all behind. We were leaving on a, I think we're leaving on a Monday and I sold the camper van on Saturday. The house sold before that. But yeah, so God just put everything in in order then we went i went back to school my wife went with me then we came back to hawaii we planted a church and um god god's just been faithful to us i i i just look back on my life and i look how she's stuck by me and we've been married 49 years and i I, i'm like amazed how many women would uproot their family uh leave their house that they you know that you you own leave the family business leave all their friends and and go to what's basically really is like a foreign land because hmm. hawaii there's so many uh people from asia and uh, south pacific and they're all together it, it is it, it really is like a foreign, we were the only white people that lived on our block when we moved here hmm. white people are called howleys here and there's usually an f word in front of it and it's not fabulous oh. <laughs> so but yeah but yeah she's yeah, my wife's an amazing person, and now now we got all these grandchildren, and she's uh she's she's the popo. Popo is uh, Chinese for grandma, oh, so they just call her popo. She doesn't surf though. She doesn't surf after all that and all your life of surfing and boosting it up. Wow. Which she encourages me to go, so that's good. Perfect. There you go. That's all you need. And and it sounds like you weren't the easiest husband to have around either so the fact that she did keep trusting and going with the blow i made a lot of mistakes as a husband it's been a constant learning um learning experience and i'll be honest with you i'm still learning yeah uh one of the best things uh i was ever taught was because you know you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes and your wife will get mad at you and the best question to ask is from proverbs 15 1 it says a gentle answer turns away wrath mm-hmm. but a harsh word stirs up anger so the best thing to ask when i blow it which still happens, maybe not as often as it used to, <laughs> is how could I have done it differently? You know, this happened and then I reacted this way. What could I have done differently? And uh, that's, a, that's a $60 million question right there. You remember that? You're married. That's going to help you out immensely. Okay, I'm gonna I'm going to remember those two things. So you've been married 49 years. I've been with my wife for around 15 years probably, but married for um, six now. So what is your... What's your big advice for all us younger married couples to get to 49? Oh, it's, uh, my father used to say being married is not for sissies. You know, it's going to take a lot of work and and you're going to have to work on it, work at it. Um, when I do weddings, I, or marriage counseling, I always start out with the five love languages. Mm. Are you familiar with those? Uh, not off the top of my head. No, there's a book called the five love languages by Dr. Gary, uh, Chapman. I recommend that book there's five different ways that we receive and express love and if you can remember this uh, acrostic gates g-a-t-e-s or acronym g-a-t-e-s gift giving alone time or quality time touch encouraging words and service acts of service when i see a sink full of dirty dishes you know what i see i see opportunity to make my wife feel love and when we were first married when we were first married um I would always touch her because that was one of my main love languages and want to spend time with her. And her main love languages were gift giving and service. So she kept giving me gifts. Neither of us felt loved. When we understood, it really it really changed the dynamic in our relationship. So, and I realized I don't have to buy her a $10,000 dentist uh, tennis bracelet. 
I could just borrow a buy a ten dollar bouquet of flowers and I'll still get points for it. I might get more points for the tennis bracelet. I don't know, but I don't have that kind of money. So <laughs> yeah, my yeah wife, so that my wife has brought but, that to my attention as well, that book. And she tells me that her love language is touch. And so I do have to keep that in mind because I don't always necessarily require that. So I do have to go out of my way to, you know, remember to to communicate that way sometimes. Yeah, because one of the things is you can say you love somebody, Mm -hmm. but do they feel love? Do they feel like a lot of times my wife and I'll say, I'll say to my wife on a scale of one to 10, how loved do you feel? And should, I don't know, whatever the number, if it's low, I'll say, how can I make that number higher? And we'll ask each other that on a regular basis. Um, we used to do have these things called dates, mm-hmm. but now with the coronavirus, those are kind of <laughs> by the wayside. No more dating. <laughs> when we were, when we had kids, we used to try to go on a date once a week. And then a couple of times a year, we try to have a getaway with just the two of us. And, and those are really important. Matter of fact, I think all three of my boys, do that. Um, that's so important to do because, you know, life just gets hectic. It gets busy. Mm-hmm. But when you have kids, jobs, whatever, um, think things can get crowded and you, you, you lose connection with each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got, you got to spend that, that time together where you can just talk. Yeah. I find it more Sometimes you don't have to talk. To be mm-hmm. What's that? I find it more distracting than ever right now. You know, I remember back in the day it was, oh, my TV show is on at eight o'clock and if you missed it, you missed it. Right now, like everything is on demand and available yeah. all the time. And, you know, I do really find that you can fill your minutes every day with something. So it really does taking it really does take a conscious effort to stop and be present, I find. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Always trying but to takes, improve on that. So there's a story that I heard this guy was walking down the beach in California and he kicked something in the sand he looked down he has something sticking out of the sand so he dug around pulled out it was a lamp so he rubs the lamp and a genie comes out and the genie says I'm going to give you one wish and uh, he said one wish I thought I got three wishes genie says no you've been watching too many movies you get one wish anything you want so the guy thought and he thought he goes you know I always want to go to Hawaii but I don't like to fly so I'd like you to build a bridge from California to Hawaii so I could drive there. The genie says, you know how deep the ocean is? You know how far we're going to have to go down to get the bedrock? Mm. Uh, he said, remember the Mackinac Island? We lost 20 guys on the Mackinac Island. We built, you know how many guys are going to lose on this island? And the genie says, is there anything else you could wish for? <sighs> so the guy thought and thought, and he says, yeah, okay, I'd like to understand women. And the <laughs> genie said, you want one lane or two? See, <clears throat> God wired their brains differently than ours. Mm. We will never understand women. We will always be learning. And um, so that's the uh, that's the challenge right there. I always say my wife's a beautiful mystery, and I'm always trying to figure out. I'll never get there, but I'm always working on it. Wow. 49 years and still an unsolved mystery. Yep. Still working on it. Okay. Well, I'm going to take that and uh, remember that then, that I'm not going to be figuring out things anytime too soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, just keep working and listen, listen, not only what she says, but try to find out what she means. Because sometimes women will say something, but that's not what they mean. So it's your job, you know, mission impossible to try to find wow. out what she really means. So. Well, I think she's going to be happy about this conversation. I was supposed to talk to you about surfing and here we are talking about marriage and getting marriage advice. So probably worked out better in her favor. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> So do you ever run into some of the big names out there then? I mean, it's a small island. Um, I uh, Johnny Boy Gomes borrowed my sunscreen one time, sunblock one time. Okay. <laughs> Got to give it back to me. I had to ask for it back. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
I've met, uh, well, some guys I've just seen. I've seen Rusty K uh, surfing. I was, my friend was a lifeguard. The guy that took over my church in Waikiki actually was a lifeguard for most of his life. He knew everybody down there, Buffalo and all the local boys. And I saw stuff there I, I never even knew existed. I saw, I saw, I think it was Rusty surfing on his board upside down. Oh, wow. <laughs> just, <laughs> just crazy things like that. But uh, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Have you tried? Oh, never, never. I met uh, Dane, Dane K. Aloha at a Bible study. He was a world champ back in the day. Um, Fred Hemmings was a friend of mine when I was a pastor. Uh, you know, he's just, he's one of the guys that used to surf for, with the do Kwanamoku on his surf team and travel with him and stuff like that. Um, wow. I've met some of the, some others, but I, I, I can't remember right now. There's two signs of old age, loss of memory, and I forgot the other one, so... I can't remember. So when you were, you know, under the sea in that submarine in the Navy, did you ever think for a second you'd have such a blessed life and be surfing in Hawaii every day? No. Wow. Never even. It was it was so far from my imagination to even think of even visiting Hawaii, let alone live here. Mm. And uh, but uh, yeah. That was that was that was a, a kind of a dark time in my life uh, when I was on the submarine, spiritually speaking. Mm. But it, it led me to a point where I kind of came into the light, so to speak. But, uh, but I'm glad I served. You know, I'm not ashamed of that. Mm. And it's not, if I remember correctly from the book, it sounds like you were able to get quite a bit of surfing in, too, at one of your stations. Yeah, we used to, I used to be 55 minutes from uh, Matunik, Rhode Island. And it was a super nice. I, we Because of when my submarine would go out, I was always there in the spring and the fall. And uh, boy, after a hurricane would come by, we'd have some lefts that would be like, at least 200 y- yards long and and just i mean you you drop in it and it would just break then it would flatten out and then you hit the inside section it would break and take you all the way to shore you'd step off right under the sand oh, wow. it was it was a pretty pretty awesome place but i gotta tell you um it doesn't hold a candle in hawaii i'll tell you that no no if you can get away without wearing wetsuits you're you're better off yeah that's actually something i miss about the lakes even in the summertime being able to just be out there in board shorts out here in Vancouver on Vancouver Island. It's always wetsuit weather. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's some people who, who brave it, but those, those days on the lake, when we had warm water, we had to, we had to like go, mm-hmm. okay, we got 72 degree water. There's ways we got to go now because usually that meant there was a North wind and mm-hmm. the water would turn cold. The next day it would go like from 72 down to 55. So you had, you had to take advantage when there was a warm day, warm water, you just had to go. Oh, it's like everything else is going to get put on hold. For Whatever sure, yeah. you do later, you do later. Rare conditions, but the best conditions. Yep. Right on. Where can people connect with you? Oh, on Facebook, it's uh, Jack Nordgren or uh, Instagram, Jack Nordgren. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'll post that. And I noticed that your, I think your Waikiki Jack site is still live. Yeah, we ha- I still have a beach stand at uh, Warren Dunes in Sawyer. Uh, the other beach stand at Waco Beach in Bridgman, I sold that last year. Last year was just the worst season we ever had because the weather was so bad. Oh. Now, this year we got the COVID-19, but hopefully if we can get open by 4th of July, it'll be a good summer. So is someone else running it then? Yeah, I have a couple guys that run it for me. Uh, I try to get people that are uh, lake surfers. Mm-hmm because they're they're comfortable in the water in extreme conditions and um, people that know the lake you know currents uh, things to watch out for there's there's always there's a whole list of different things you have to watch out for when you're renting kayaks and stand up paddle boards different things different dangers that you're going to run into mm-hmm. and it, it'll change every day 
Why do you think it is? What is it about surfing that makes people get so stoked? Like, how come you don't hear? I mean, yes, people are passionate about different things, but there's something about surfers that it's life changing. It becomes, you know, part of your your spirituality. It's not just a sport. I mean, for you, it was even in the way of your marriage and and different things. Like that's how much power it has. So why do you think that is? What is it about surfing? I think there's something about harnessing the energy of the ocean, of the waves. Because when you paddle out, you try to go around or go under the power of the waves. And then you come in and you're using the power of the wave, you know, to ride it all the way to shore. And uh, just connecting with nature, I think, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a mystery. You know, and there's so many different variations of surfing now. You know, stand-up paddleboard surfing, the, oh, the uh, you know, windsurfing. Um, there's these new, um, oh, gosh. I forget what you call them. You know, they have the the long thing underneath and they ride out of the water. Yeah, the foils. Foils, yeah, the foils. But I think think those things will come and go. Mm -hmm. But I think just basic surfing will always always be here yeah um, but it's it's yeah it, it, it is life-changing it is something that uh it becomes a part of you mm-hmm. and it, you know i i have i have a number of friends that uh they didn't make it in their marriage because of surfing mm. so, um, some people um that's you know that's that's all they do that's all they think of and uh they're i don't think they're really happy yeah but that's just my opinion. You know, yeah. what do I know? Hmm. Seems like you know a few things. Yeah, maybe a few. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you were saying earlier, though, about the power of standing on a wave and, um, and whatnot, I think that it is such a unique experience. And I feel like I'm part of some secret club, in a way, that has experienced what it feels like to stand on top of a wave, what it feels like to go inside of a wave and for some people that's just not a priority or something they're necessarily curious about but i mean once you do that like you're saying i feel so i've never felt so connected to nature so connected to god right in the the honest of it all um there's just no going back i just crave more of that yep I get you. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I figured. Well, this has been so awesome, Jack. Um, you know, it's nice to make new friends. If you ever make a Wave Chasers 3, count me in. I'll be there. Yeah, but in the meantime, stay stoked and uh, keep on surfing out there. I'll do my best. Yeah, so jealous, man. All right, we'll see you, Jack. Okay, aloha. Aloha. Mahalo. That's all for another episode of Permastoke. I hope you enjoyed listening or watching the show. Again, I want to say a big mahalo to Pastor Waikiki Jack Nordgren for opening up and sharing his inspirational story with all of us. From Illinois to Hawaii to Michigan and back to Hawaii again. I really enjoyed this interview. And you can connect with Jack Nordgren at WaikikiJacks.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Jack Nordgren. That's spelled J-A-C-K-N-O-R-D-G-R-E-N. His books are also available for purchase on Amazon, including Life Lessons from Proverbs, A Lake Surfer's Journey, Wave Chasers, Wave Chasers 2, and Surf Journal. I really recommend A Lake Surfer's Journey as it's a great tale of a man chasing his destiny and not giving up. While Wave Chasers 1 and 2 Both feature some beautiful photography of our friends from across the Great Lakes.
And we want to say a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing us with our intro music, Hey Chihuahua, from their 2009 album entitled Crash Monster Beach, and our outro music, End of Summer, off their 2017 album, Return of the Wasagas. Be sure to check them out and download their music on iTunes today. And we especially want to say mahalo to all you listeners out there. We're so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode, and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future, because there are more episodes on their way. In the meantime, feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes. And if you enjoyed listening or watching the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review, and share with your family and friends over social media or by telling people about it. You can also watch the show by visiting our YouTube channel, Freshwater Surf Goods. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date on new products, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Goods. We are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us out with new product designs for the brand. We need photographers to provide some great lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. We want to make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach SUP or yoga, or if you or your company are interested in being a sponsor of the show, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfkids.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfkids.com. And finally, Freshwater Surf Goods, our SUP school, Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation and Healing, and the Permastoke Podcast are all currently based out of Vancouver, B.C., with the intention of relocating to the Great Lakes region. My preference is to move somewhere along the coast of Lake Huron between Concarden and Sauble Beach to get that good surf and be in the woods somewhere. But we are open to other coastal communities in Southern Ontario. If you have any advice on how I might bring my business there and get set up, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I understand that I may need to get a real job for a while, so my education and work background is primarily in Native community work frontline emergency social service work, and coordinating both long-term and short-term nonprofit programs and projects. If you have any leads or suggestions around potential employment opportunities or relocation services, and how we might make the transition from the West Coast back to Ontario, it would be greatly appreciated. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked.